0: In today's episode of Discovering Wholeness, we'll be following up on part of our conversation from last week around purity culture. We'll be discussing the ways in which messages in our spiritual communities regarding sexuality and expectations around sexuality can be both triggering and traumatizing and can also contribute significantly to unhealthy and at times damaging models of relationship and commitment.
1: Season one of Discovering Wholeness is sponsored by the Hayden Institute. The Hayden Institute is a haven for seekers, those who have heard the call or felt the tug to go deeper in their understanding of God, themselves, and others. Their programs, accessible online or in person, are well-suited for clergy, therapists, healthcare professionals, social workers, and anyone with an interest in spirituality or dream work. Lectures, small groups, and creative embodiment practices with the Hayden Institute will help you tap the rich wisdom within. Get more information at HaydenInstitute.com, H-A-D-E-N,
2: HaydenInstitute.com. Welcome to Discovering Wholeness, a podcast for any human practicing being for healing trauma and unearthing self. I'm Kendra Frazier.
0: I'm Jillian Drader. And
1: I'm Kendall Rothis. We are your hosts and we invite you to join us as
0: we peel back the layers of trauma and discover our innate wholeness. Trauma has been a significant part of many of our journeys, whether those traumas are with a big T or with a little T.
2: We gather each week to discuss trauma, spirituality, and staying grounded as we heal ourselves and walk alongside those who are healing.
1: We are so glad you've joined us. You can participate in the larger conversation with us on Instagram and Facebook at Discovering Wholeness Podcast.
2: We recognize that trauma can be a very heavy topic to engage in and discuss. And this is our moment where we want to bring you in to grounding. We want you to be able to connect and ground in this moment. So we welcome you into the breath, the breath that holds medicine. 70% of toxins are released through our breathing. And we as human beings don't breathe enough we only utilize about 33% of our respiratory systems. So in this grounding exercise, we're simply going to practice deep breathing. So find a comfortable place wherever you may be, place your feet on the ground and come into a relaxed position and bring your awareness to your breath. Notice the rhythm of your breathing your inhales, your exhales. Bring your awareness to the pattern of your breath. Is it deep? Is it shallow? Is it long or short? Take a deep breath in, breathing in peace and hold it. Now release any chaos you may have encountered throughout this week or the day. Take another deep breath in. Breathing in ease and hold that breath. Now release any challenges that have been coming up for you this week. Take one last big breath in Breathing in love, and hold it. And now release the acknowledgement that there is no separation. And bring your awareness again back to your breathing. I'll count down from five to zero and feel free to come back into this moment whenever you're ready. Five, four, Three, two, one, and zero. Welcome back.
0: I'm Jillian Drader, and I'll be facilitating today's conversation with my co-hosts, Kendall Ray Rothus and Kendra Frazier. I'm really aware this morning as we we come to talk about this whole topic of sexuality and messaging in our spiritual communities around it, that it's feeling really tender. I was actually surprised by some of my own emotions that came up around this um, of having experienced some really painful and hurtful and at times traumatizing messages and body shame and Shame around sexuality and my journey through church and through um, marriage at one point in my life. So I'm really aware that this topic, um, in the, even in the context of trauma, which is a, con- a sensitive topic for sure, we've said, but this is really tender. This is a really tender space, and I, I think I just wanted to acknowledge that as we start this morning and recognize that um, this this might feel a little extra tender today as you sit with all of this, um, for those of you that are listening, and just for us even here in this space together. Um, It's a tender, sensitive topic with a lot of deep emotions, I think, that are attached to it. So, Kendall and Kendra, would either of you like to start off by sharing how you've seen this whole issue of sexuality and messages regarding expectations show up for people in your spiritual communities or even in your own personal journey. Kendra, would you be willing to start?
2: Sure. Thanks so much, Jillian, for setting the tone of this episode because it is very tender. um, And a lot of stuff has come up for me as well as we were discussing it prior to this moment. The first thing that comes to mind is that typically people will read me as the same gender loving person, queer person, lesbian, as straight um, in most spiritual communities if they're not already familiar with me. Um, early on when I invited people into my sexuality, um, I would often feel a need to like defend um, uh, my uh, orientation in a way that I don't find it necessary at this moment. Um, but I am thinking about all the times that I've encountered people in church spaces specifically who have um, read me astray And then place certain attachments and expectations to their reading of as straight, whether that is, do I have a husband? Why don't I have a husband? Why don't I have a boyfriend? Why don't I have children? This expectation to also be either interested in mothering um, or to have a child already, um, as well as because they are reading me as straight, not leaving a lot of space um, for for me to show up as who I am authentically. I think that so many um, folks who are recently coming out um, have a challenging time um, just being in certain spiritual communities where there is this very narrow way of, of engaging in conversations around sexuality, partnership, marriage, Cause I, feel like in this time that we're living in now, people are taking more liberty to really create relationships that really adjust to where they are at the time, not necessarily leading into monogamy or marriage, but doing what feels comfortable for them. Um, but that is the first thought that comes to mind. These assumptions that we make based on the ways that people look um, that can oftentimes be um, antithetical to who the person is
0: is. Thanks, Kendra. Yeah, that's so important to be aware of, and the ways that that's so hurtful. And Yeah. How about for you, Kendall?
1: Yeah, I just, I think I want to say first that I also feel really grateful for the way you opened this, Jillian, acknowledging the tenderness of this subject. I mean, I found myself having so many emotions when these things started to come up, in our last episode, I mean, I was, (laughs) I was getting fired up and angry, but at another point I felt teary. Um, There's just a lot, there's a lot here. It's, I mean, we're kind of dealing with some of the most intimate parts of ourselves um, and therefore some of the most intimate wounding Um, so much Jillian comes up for me around this question about um, expectations and messages we receive around sexuality particularly for those of us who grew up in a maybe uh, more conservative or evangelical Christianity. Um, In particular, I am thinking of um, how purity culture presents this false idea that if you save yourself for marriage, then sex inside marriage will be wonderful. Um, I mean, heavens, I have talked to so many women for whom this is just not true. I don't know as much about men's experience, but um, I've met so many people who were taught that, you know, that sex and sexual desire and bodies were sinful and something to be repressed. And then they found that they couldn't just suddenly flip their sex drive back on as soon as they were married. Like after all those years of being conditioned to shut it down, um, they didn't just suddenly feel great about their bodies. Um, I've also encountered people who weren't sexually compatible with their partner, but they had no way of knowing that before the marriage, because not only were they not allowed to explore their sexuality together, they didn't even feel like it was okay to talk about their sexual expectations, um, or their wants, et cetera, or two people, um, aren't even able to figure out their compatibility because they enter into their relationship having been so shamed about sex that they have no idea what they like, what they want, or how to communicate those needs to a partner. So I've just discovered there's a whole lot of married people out there who've, quote, you know, fulfilled the right expectations who are having bad sex mediocre, unsatisfying, at best, and at worst, abusive. Um, you know, the, the assumption in purity culture, of course, is that um, the marri- a marriage is going to be between a man and a woman. And I remember meeting people who sincerely believed that women, in particular, are just supposed to have sex with their husbands whenever their husbands wanted it. Like, that was just part of her you know, wifely duties. So of course, that sets a woman up to be assaulted, raped, coerced inside her own marriage. Because in that context, consent isn't a part of the picture. So I think for women, especially, it's just like, you're either not married and therefore not having sex, or you're married and as a woman supposed to give sex whenever your spouse wants it. So that means that on either side of marriage, both before or and after, the woman's body, the woman's desire, and the woman's needs are not taken into account. In all cases, her body does not belong to her, and she must learn how to ignore how she feels In order to serve another, whether that other is God or the church or her husband. Um, And so then I think when women are not enjoying their sexual experience inside marriage, women don't know why, because we were taught that if we just wait until marriage, it's going to be like sexual bliss from then on out. (laughs) Um, And no one told her, no one taught her that part of sexuality is learning how to pay attention to your body, knowing what feels good to you and being able to communicate it safely to a partner who will respect and honor your needs. No one taught her that part of sexuality is knowing you have the freedom to say I'm not in the mood or that doesn't feel good to me. In short, no one taught her that she
2: is the key ingredient in a, of her own sexuality. One of the things that I love about what you said is that consent is important outside of marriage mm-hmm. as well as mm-hmm. inside mm-hmm. of marriage. And just because you have a ring on your finger does not mean that you are supposed to give your body away in times where you mm-hmm. may not be feeling up to it.
0: That was certainly my experience early on was um, just not a lot of understanding, definitely no messaging around consent being an option. And then the you know what you're talking about being expected. Definitely that was my experience. And I'm also thinking about Those women um, who have experienced abuse in all kinds of different ways, even prior to a marriage or prior to a committed relationship and already don't have a strong sense of boundaries, don't have that strong sense of voice, and that there's that much more vulnerability then um, in the fact that we're not talking about these things in our spiritual communities. It's not being... um, kind of normalized in the sense of, you know, this is a part of who we are. This is a part of who we've been created to be. It's meant to be a beautiful thing. All of those conversations just mostly aren't happening. Uh, So that's a bigger setup for more abuse, for more damage to take place when women haven't been given um, that opportunity to either do the healing work that needs to happen or even know that it needs to happen or, and then just step into you know, We've talked a lot about how people come into spiritual communities looking for family, looking for healthy connection, looking for a relationship because of their own wounding. And so then add this on top and it just feels so much more
2: dangerous is the word that comes to my mind. The thing that I'm remembering, thank you for that, um, Gillian, is that the... Church, spiritual communities, faith communities in general, do this service uh, much of the time, talking about uh, the sacredness of our flesh, of our bodies, um, and because of that, consequently, we aren't taught that we, um, our bodies belong to us first. We, we are, um, and because our bodies belong to us first, it's important that we discover what we like, what we don't like sexually as well as non-sexually. And I think that because we've been taught that our bodies are sinful, our flesh is sinful, we don't talk about what it means to experience pleasure. Whether that is the pleasure of sharing your body with someone else or sharing your body with someone with with yourself, if we're thinking about masturbation. But because of that, I think we run into so many unhealthy relationships because we don't know ourselves to be able to tell a partner what we want Mm -hmm. or what we desire or what we don't desire, um, which is what I run into a lot with people that I work with in various um, spiritual spaces.
1: Kendra, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's what it brings up for me is that you can't have a good relationship if you don't know yourself. Mm -hmm. And if your spiritual religious community is just simply teaching you to deny yourself, you can't know yourself. And therefore it's going to be really hard to, to be in any kind of good or satisfying or healthy relationship with another
2: person. Absolutely.
0: Kendra, I'm wondering if there's any other specific ways that you've seen hidden expectations in relationships show up either in congregants or um, in directees or people that you're working with. What are some of the ways that a person might know that they're in a relationship that is asking for unhealthy expectations or what would be some of the things to kind of watch for?
2: That's a great question, Jillian. I think that some of the things to watch out for in terms of knowing whether you're in an unhealthy relationship or not, I think the first thing is that when someone is demeaning your own sense of knowingness, attempting to persuade you from your own intuition, I think that's a sign. Um, I also think it's a sign if um, someone is... um, Shows up as wanting to monopolize all your time and is very codependent on you and where you are at all times um, in a way that the separation from you um, brings up an insecurity on them that um, makes them feel like they have to control you. Um, I believe that that's a sign. Um, I also believe that another sign may be being in an experience where someone is not making space for you to share your voice. And so they may be stonewalling you, which could look like simply ignoring you um, or using harsh words or tones when you do Um attempt to share how you really feel, which is really an invalidating environment that doesn't allow you to express authentically. So those are are all signs that come up for me in this moment.
0: Thanks, Kendra. Those are important. How about for you, Kendall? Anything you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, you know, um, this is a little bit more about maybe some external pressure um, or expectation, but the thing that was coming up for me Maybe breaks my heart the most is this expectation people carry around that they shouldn't leave a relationship, and so maybe that partner—I mean, maybe that pressure is coming from your partner, um, or maybe it's coming from your community. But either way, it can be really damaging. I mean, I just think of the way that I've seen the church demonize divorce, when in fact the evils we should be calling out are things like abuse. Um, I mean, I recall a woman I worked with who had left her marriage after her husband held a gun to her head and her church had the audacity to tell her she needed to go back because divorce was a sin. So they cared more about saving her marriage than saving her life, you know, and they were more concerned about the, quote, sin of leaving than they, were ca- than they cared about the sin of his violence. Um, and so there's just sort of this warped way in which we, we kind of lift up staying as a virtue above all other virtues rather than, um, sure, there can be value to staying, <laughs> um, but that has to be balanced with um, the other things that matter in a relationship. Um, so, yeah, I just, anytime you're staying just to stay, that I think that's a big sign that that's not enough. It's not enough to stay just to stay.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think you you really um, brought up something for me, Kendall, in terms of uh, people existing in unhealthy relationships and expecting for people external to the relationship to to give them answers for what they need to do, um, which is, I feel like a hidden expectation for your spiritual community or your spiritual leader to have the answer for you. Sometimes we as spiritual leaders um, don't know what is best for you. I think most times for me, I'm not telling my directee or telling my client or those that I may be journeying with in spiritual community, the answer. I feel like our job as spiritual leaders, as spiritual directors is to prepare the way or set the table, so to speak, for people to be able to access their own answers in a way that works for them. And I think that the challenge with the church is oftentimes the church externalizes the answers in whether that be in Jesus or whether that be through some other modality, um, through prayer, but really settling in and trusting your divine compass, um, your own relational experience with the divine is really where you access your answers and your sense of knowing. Um, So really doing away with the expectations that the spiritual leader or people in the spiritual community know better than you. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Kendra. It's so good. And it makes me think as well about, Um, with everything that you've both said, just this whole idea of the staying because you're supposed to, and then the internal compass that we're not really calling out in our communities and the ways in which then so many people will stay in the relationship also because somehow uh, the, uh, the discomfort and the pain of these messages around sexuality or these messages around sexual expectations in the relationship are so, they're subtle, and they're not as maybe discussed or as overt as if it was physical abuse, or, you know, even though as I'm hearing you say, Kindle that's also not one that's necessarily an assumption of, yes, you may leave. So that's a different conversation. But I've heard so many women in these situations of just almost saying that, you know, I wish something physical would happen because then people would listen, or then I'd have an excuse to leave, that it's so underground a lot, um, this and so much shame attached to it, I think more so than other things that I encounter or, or that I've walked through, that finding that voice is so hard, um, and, and it's such a big risk to speak it up and then often not be heard in a way that's helpful or be so shut down that then it just goes deeper. And there's so much suffering in all of that.
2: In this grounding exercise, we're simply going to practice deep breathing. So find a comfortable place wherever you may be Place your feet on the ground and come into a relaxed position and bring your awareness to your breath. Notice the rhythm of your breathing, your inhales, your exhales. Bring your awareness to the pattern of your breath. Is it deep? Is it shallow? Is it long or short? Take a deep breath in, breathing in peace and hold it. Now release any chaos that you may have encountered throughout this week or the day. Take another deep breath in Breathing in ease and hold that breath. Now release any challenges that have been coming up for you this week. Take one last big breath in, breathing in love and hold it. And now release the acknowledgement that there is no separation and bring your awareness again back to your breathing. I'll count down from five to zero and feel free to come back into this moment whenever you're ready. Five, four, three, two, one, and zero. Welcome back.
1: I'm Kendall Rothis, and I love my work as a spiritual director providing healing for the spiritually wounded. I work most often with women, the LGBTQ plus community, and clergy. If you are interested in reimagining what spirituality could look like on the other side of healing, please follow me on Instagram at Kendall Ray Rothis, or check out my website KendallRayRothis.com. That's Kindle, K Y N D A L L, Ray R A E, Rothus, R O T H A U S. KindleRayRothus.com.
0: Welcome back to Discovering Wholeness. I'm Jillian Draeder, today's episode facilitator, and I'm joined by by Kendra Frazier and Kendall Ray Rothas. Have you seen ways in which, or um, suggestions of ways in which we can help to support people in our communities and in our lives around this topic? What are some practical things that you can imagine, you know, just making available, or or how do we make this less difficult for people to, to step into? Kendall, do you have any thoughts? The,
1: the first thing that's coming to mind is the importance of healing. Like, I I just think if you've encountered some of this baggage and bad messaging, um, I think you kind of have to go backwards a little bit and heal some of it. <laughs> or at least I have. At least I have, you know, in order to really, to really um, move forward. And I think another thing that comes up for me is the significance and the importance of safe, healthy relationships. Um, And I don't necessarily mean dating relationships, although it could include that, but just having, you know, having good solid attachments and friendships where, you know, you can process some of these things, you know, it was, I, I, for the longest time I thought like I was like the outlier. Like I was the only one who could, didn't understand how to figure out sex and wasn't enjoying it. And I thought like, I mean, everyone else is having a great time. Um, but once I, you know, once I be, was able to start sharing what some of my issues were with close friends, realizing like, I'm not alone at all. This is actually very, very common. And so I think, um, you know, this isn't the kind of thing you want to talk about with just anybody, but finding safety, whether that is in therapy or with friends um, or with a spiritual director or somewhere where um, you can kind of start to expose some of these wounds, you know? Um, I think it's when they're, they're hidden that they continue to fester. I think, too, for me, the recovery of becoming coming to a place where I could honor my body again, or for the first time, I'm not sure which it was. Um, It's not just about the sexuality, right? It's about, you know, um, man, what lotion is going to feel really good to rub on my arms? (laughs) So what candle scent do I want going in my room? Um, You know, these ways of engaging the the sensuality of my body, honoring my body, like what food am I putting in my body? Um, how much sleep is my body asking for right now? I mean, I think that this, it, it, it is about sexuality and it's bigger than that, right? Like it's, it's the whole, it's the whole body and the way we relate to our bodies.
0: I love that, Kendall. I appreciate that kind of broadening because you're right it's it's the whole appreciation of our physical bodies in every way that we often I I mean I can say for sure for me have shut down at times because of a lot of body shame messaging in general apart from sexuality just body size body everything um, you know all the ways that that's been been hard and painful Kendra did you want to add something
2: Yeah, sure. Kendall, thank you for everything that you've mentioned. I'm thinking about the need for spiritual communities, whether they be temples, churches, mosques, um, sanghas, to Um, look at what it means to pair comprehensive sex education with a healthy theological lens around sex. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm remembering um, the first time that I felt shame for my same gender attraction um, with my parents. And because of their shame of me being attracted to the same sex, um, or the same gender, rather, um, I found myself attempting to to throw myself at little boys when Mm -hmm. I was younger Mm -hmm. because of how they handled my sexuality at, the age of discovery Mm -hmm. um, in terms of developmentally when you're trying to figure it out. And then fast forward six years later, I'm given this this ring by my mom um, as as a purity ring to not have sex while um, I'm in college and before I get married. And that only creates more curiosity and space um, for young people to attempt to figure out something that has been seen forbidden, and so you end up engaging in all this risk, risky sexual behavior because you haven't been taught, one, the sacredness of your body, um, the ways that you can experience pleasure in and of yourself without having somebody else if that's what you desire to do, as well as how to co-create a healthy experience, whether that be sexual or non-sexual, with another human being. Um, which I think is is very important for churches to consider what that would look like, um, or spiritual communities to consider what that would look like. That parent,
0: so important. Thanks, Kendra. I'm also wondering. You know, we've we've talked about all the hard, painful places around this topic today. I'm wondering if there are um, resources specifically uh, that either of you are aware of around. Um, whole idea of positive sexuality like just like resources for people to be able to tap into to start shifting this understanding um and also any stories of hope that either of you may have around healing and um that is as daunting as this might feel and as tender as we're all expressing there's a lot that we all carry i think around this topic um but there's hope there's always hope um so what are some stories that you might have as well as resources around moving forward and growing in this area.
2: For those that are listening that are curious as to what sex positivity is, it's just about one, feeling comfortable about um, their own sexuality and identity, as well as with the sexual behaviors of others, and having a healthy attitude towards sexuality. Um, The first resource that I'm thinking about is this uh, conference called Sex Down South that was started in Atlanta in 2015 by Marla Stewart and Tia Mosley. It is a holistic sex positive space for educators, healers, spiritual leaders, sex workers, those who are curious um, about the subject matter, people interested in kink, BDSM, polyamory, so on and so forth um, for people to be able to have access. And it's specifically for people of color, but everybody can join. Um, But for people to have access to conversations that will um, aid them in their wholeness. I believe that the conference for this year is happening September 9th through 11th for anyone that may be interested
0: thanks Kendra that's great how about for you Kendall anything as far as specific resources and I'm also kind of wondering about and I'm not familiar with any but either of you may be just also re- almost want to say recovery from purity culture like there needs to be like a support group because it's it's huge um yeah, it's it's huge. And undoing that messaging is so challenging. There's so much fear attached.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think definitely engaging in community with other people is really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And I haven't actually read it yet. It's sitting on my bookshelf, but I just know a lot of people who've been helped by um, Nadia Bowles Weber's book, Shameless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but multiple people have recommended it to me and it's, you know, I just always have a pile of books to read. You know, in terms of hopeful stories, I was just thinking about, you know, I mean, I felt so, gosh, just I think damaged and broken um, when I left my marriage and it was, you know, it was a compilation of coming to terms with the ways that relationship was emotionally and psychologically and sexually abusive and coming to terms with the way that some of the things I learned in purity, purity culture had kind of set me up for that experience in some ways. Um, and feeling like that in itself was a kind of abuse. Um, and I just had felt so, for the longest time, like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be like normal, you know, whatever normal is, but just feeling like I could, you know, I'm, I'm too broken. I'm too scared. I have too much trauma around sex. Um, and you know, I don't feel that way anymore. (laughs) Um, and that feels kind of like a, like a, a little miracle of sorts. Um, and for me, at least, it, it happened slowly, you know, one thing at a time, one good interaction at a time, um, one therapy session at a time, just little by little until I could, I can look back and it doesn't mean I still don't have some of that trauma it is stored in my body and things come up. And, you know, I sometimes have to explain to partners or whatever that, that I have trauma. But like, the longer it goes on, the better I know how to communicate Um, the better I kind of know what's happening. Like, Oh, this is a trauma response. That's why I feel panicked. If I do these things, it will eventually fade. You know, like it's just, it, it has just become so much more manageable Um, and not just manageable, but I've just been able to experience so much joy. I think on this side of healing Um, healing is an ongoing process, but I've can honestly say, I I feel like I've, you know, I've gotten somewhere. (laughs) Kendra, did you have anything else? I didn't want to cut you off if you were going to add
2: anything to this. Yeah, I do want to talk about them. Powerful experience that I had with the pastor around um, first coming out, I was attending a, a Church of God church in Atlanta. And um, by this time, had my conversation with God around my own embrace of my sexuality. And I remember going to speak with this pastor about it. And um, his question, only question to me was, so have you talked to God about it? And I just thought it was a phenomenal question and was so encouraged that he didn't attempt to give me his own theological views around my sexuality, according to my relationship with God. And after I told him about the conversation that I had with God about my sexuality, he simply said, okay, Mm. and that was it. So that That is a a wonderful um, story that I always keep with me um, as Mm. I continue on my own journey of healing.
1: Yeah. He recognized and affirmed the wisdom inside of you. I I love that.
0: So, Kendall, I would love for you to share this poem if you would like to do that.
1: Yes. Okay. So this this just came to me last week and it felt fitting for today's topic. So um, I want to close with this. The title is Hermaphrodite. On my morning walk, I pause to touch my favorite tree. On its bark, two mating snails. I don't think I've ever watched snails mate. So slow, it seems tender. Up to 12 hours of foreplay, I read later. Did you know a snail has both male and female reproductive organs? It can mate with any other snail, including itself. A snail can give and receive sperm simultaneously. Snails also shoot love darts into each other's skin, which is different. Their many ways of being together is what you could call natural. Or if you believe in a creator, you could call it intelligent design. God approved, gender and sexual fluidity on purpose, heaven stamped, divinely blessed, pure, perfect, a flawless fulfillment of the snail's unique design. I adore the natural world. I watch her through this lens I call queer. Instead of fearing that which is different, fluid, diverse, I witness the beauty of the snail and I admire. I marvel. I sing praises. I give thanks. If you believe in a creator,
0: I worship. Wow, Kendall, thank you so much for those beautiful words and those beautiful images and just that reminder of all the ways in which we are so uniquely created and the beauty of that. Thanks for letting me share. We've talked about a lot today. Again, it's been a really rich and beautiful conversation and a really a tender and intimate conversation. And I want to thank you both for your vulnerability and your to to share from those places. We've talked about expectations, we've talked about shame, we've talked about purity culture and, and messaging that has been hurtful um, in many different ways. And, and we also have brought some hope. I would I'd like to think that we're also opening some possibilities for people that have maybe felt locked up in this area of their lives, that there is hope, there are supports, there are people who understand and are willing to receive your stories and receive your your journeys um, to come towards healing. So I thank you again, Kendra and Kendall for being here with me today. And uh, we close up this episode and look forward to being together again next week.
1: As we bring this episode to a close, aware that some feelings may have been stirred up in you, perhaps some memories, we invite you to pause, place your hand over your heart and to repeat with us as we do every week, I am whole.
2: I'm Kendra Frazier.
0: I'm Jillian Drader. And I'm Kendall Raffis. We are Discovering Wholeness, Healing Trauma, Unearthing
2: Self. Join us in conversation at Discovering Wholeness Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Also at Discovering Wholeness Podcast, you can reach out to each of the hosts and also find out more about our practices.
0: Discovering Wholeness is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Learn more at goodfaithmedia.org. If you
1: are in crisis and need help, in the United States, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255.
0: In Canada, call the Centre for Suicide Prevention at 1-833-456-4566. That's 1-833-456-4566.
2: You can also use the crisis text line from either country by texting the word home to 741741. That's home, H-O-M-E, to 741741 to access a crisis counselor 24 hours a day, seven days a week.